As we get ready to dive in tonight's message, I pray and I hope that it will be beneficial to you as we continue on and just bringing forth God's word uh, during this time. So as we get ready to dive in tonight, make sure that you have your Bibles with you, you've got something to write with, and now let's dive into tonight's message. What's going on, friends? Thank you for joining us as we launch into this brand new series that we have titled Half-Hearted Creatures. And let me tell you, I've been looking forward to this series for a while. Let me tell you why. Have you ever felt like there's got to be something more to this life than what you're experiencing? That even when life seems to be going great, you still feel like something's missing in your life as though you have this void that is in need of being filled and you're not really sure why. And the question is, how is that even possible? Many of us watching this message right now are going to be watching this message later, listening to it. How are you even doing that, right? I mean, are you listening off of an iPad? Are you watching it on a TV, on a computer? Maybe you're driving in your car and you're listening to this message through your phone that's playing through your Bluetooth speakers. I mean, we live in the United States of America, we are one of the richest, wealthiest, most prosperous countries in the world. I mean, when was the last time that you ate food? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, a full-blown meal. I'm talking about just snacking on something, be it popcorn, chips, candy, anything like that. I know in these days, this question might be a little bit harder for some of you to answer, but what does your work situation look like? I mean, maybe you're in school and you're pursuing a degree to help you land a job, let alone your dream job. And going back to the question of uh, jobs, man, what will your job look like? Or the job that you're even doing right now? Do you sit at a desk staring at a computer screen all day? Maybe some of you, you work with your hands and you're creating things, you're cultivating, you're building things. For some of you, you're teachers, or you want to be a teacher, and you want to shape and mold young minds so they would then have the skill set in order to pursue their own passions and dreams as they get older. Now, in light of the, the answers to those questions, knowing that it looks different for every single one of us, do you still wonder why you sometimes feel like something's missing in this life? Why you have that void? Can I argue that it all has to do with your perspective? Guadam Nair wrote an article for the Washington Post back in 2018, and the title of this post was this, Most Americans vastly underestimate how rich they are compared to the rest of the world. Does it matter? And this is what Guadagnero wrote. He said, The average U.S. resident estimated that the global median individual income is about $20,000 a year. In fact, the real answer is about a tenth of that figure, roughly $2,100 per year. Similarly, Americans typically place themselves in the top 37% of the world's income distribution. However, the vast majority of the United States residents rank comfortably in the top 10%. So what explains this misperception? Well, human beings draw heavily on their local lived experience to make judgments about the wider world. What Guadam Nair is pointing out for us is that 
a lot of us are playing this game of keeping up with the Joneses, and it's causing us to feel like something's missing in our lives. That even though a lot of us probably have more than what we need, and we're living a lot better than the majority of the world, at the end of the day, we still feel like our life isn't nearly what it's supposed to be. Our perception is off. We look to the left and right of our, and we look at our neighbors, and we see that they've got something that we don't have. Or we look at the lifestyle of the rich and the famous, and because we don't live like they do, we feel like something's missing. So then we begin to work hard to achieve that missing thing in our lives. However, all that being said, there is still the other side of the coin. While we all seem to be on this constant pursuit of the American dream, there is an aspect to all of us that maybe what's really going on is that we're all too easily pleased and satisfied in this life. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and, and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So what's C.S. Lewis talking about here? Well, he's talking about our limited perspective, isn't he? That while we spend so much time on this pursuit of happiness, the reality is that we dive into uh, joys that we weren't really created for. In fact, we, we dive into things that we think are going to bring us joy, but we were created for something else completely in mind. So what are the joys that we tend to dive into? Well, the pleasures that we, of this world that we dive into look a lot like money and careers. We talk about, we, we dive into relationships and we talk about marriage a lot, how we desire those things. We talk about sex and family. We talk about, man, what kind of home do, are we going to have? What is our dream home going to look like? And we obsess over our body image and our fitness. Now, and while a lot of those things in and of themselves aren't bad things to pursue, they're actually pretty good, God will look at our ambitions and our desires and dreams and say, why are you settling for less? Many of you have heard me say it before, that God has a better plan and purpose for our lives than what we could ever dream up or imagine for ourselves. And the reason why I can say that with confidence is because, again, we are working the majority of our time from a limited perspective. That while we are trying to be happy in this life, our bullseye, the target of that bullseye, is to live this comfortable life and have a family and achieve the American dream. Well, God's bullseye on his target for our lives is to live this life with the perspective of eternity in mind, because that's what we were created for, for eternity. The Bible teaches that we weren't created for the joys and satisfaction that we find in this world. And trust me, I get it. That's actually a little hard to hear, but it's true. If you think about it, if your only purpose is to make it to the end of your life, laying in your bed, deathbed and looking back going, man, I am so glad that I had that job that I, that I dreamt about since I was a little kid. Man, despite the fact that I neglected my family in order to have that job. Or maybe you look back on your deathbed and you say something like, man, I'm so glad that I neglected my family or things that actually mattered in this life in order to make as much money as I did, even though I can't take it with me to the grave anyways. Life would seem pretty empty, 
if that was what it all amounted up to you. And yet those are the things that occupy our time that we spend the majority of our time chasing after that we're trying to fill that void that we fill in our life with. Now, the book of Ecclesiastes is written by a guy by the name of Solomon. And Solomon goes down in history as the richest and wisest guy that ever lived. He was the king of Israel. He was a great military leader. He led people well. People actually wanted to follow him. And rulers from far off countries were hearing about this this guy, Solomon, who was so wise and he had all this splendor in his life, all these riches, and they didn't believe these stories that they were hearing about Solomon. So they would travel from far off distances just to come and meet Solomon to see if the stories that they were hearing about him were actually true. One of the stories that we read about in the Bible about Solomon was how he was a man that had 300 wives, and he didn't stop there because he had 700 concubines in his life. Now, why do I tell you all this? All the things that we desire in this life that we think will bring happiness to us, Solomon had it. He had power, he had money, he had fame, he had a family. He was having tons of sex, apparently, with his thousand women in his life, and he had... Uh, 300 wives, so he was married. Solomon had it all. You would think that Solomon wouldn't just go down in history as the richest and wisest guy that ever lived, but you would think that he would go down in history as the happiest guy that ever lived as well. But yet, he writes Ecclesiastes, and this is what Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting in verse 4. He says, I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself, and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. The point that Solomon is trying to make in those few verses is the same thing that C.S. Lewis Uh, is saying in the quote that we looked at earlier that we try so hard to fill the void in our life with things, with the ifs of this life. It looks a lot like this. If I just had that fill in the blank, if I just looked like him or her, if I was just in a relationship, if I just had the money, if I just put more of an effort into things, if I had just gotten that degree, if I just had a degree, if I just had that job. Now my question to you, if that's you playing the if game, is when does it stop? Because I don't know about you, but so far what I've experienced in this life 
is that the if game really goes on and on forever, that you can't, that, uh, uh, that the if game never really seems to have an end to it. And it's so tiring and it's exhausting trying to chase after that next if in life. And that's why Solomon says, man, it's like chasing after the wind. You'll never really find satisfaction, fulfillment with these things because you can never really hold on to them for a long period of time because they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. That, that's a, it's a never-ending game of a pursuit of the ifs. And this is why C.S. Lewis says that our problem is that isn't the fact that we're never satisfied. It's the fact that we're maybe all too easily pleased in this life, that we settle for things that are here today and gone tomorrow. We settle for the earthly things uh, because that's where our minds are at. You know, see, earthly wealth and the pleasures are always on the forefront of our mind because those are the things that we can see, we can touch, we, we can feel it, we can grab a hold of those things. And this is why C.S. Lewis calls all of us half-hearted creatures because we are foolishly seeking fulfillment and satisfaction with temporary things that for a moment in time we are pleased with. But as time goes on, like the wind, those temporary joys and satisfactions, they end up gone. And we begin the process of seeking joy and satisfaction and happiness all over again. And once again, we do it with temporary things that can't truly fill the void that we feel in our lives. And why is that? Well, if we look back on Solomon, the story of Solomon, through all of his wisdom that was given to him by God, Solomon had the wherewithal to pass down some wisdom to us, the readers of this book, to let us know that uh, our earthly desires and pursuits are meaningless. But Solomon doesn't stop there because, you see, knowing the problem doesn't help things. But giving a solution to the problem is how you change someone's life for the better and forever. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon says uh, that the solution to the void that we fill in our life is this. The reason why you can't ever find satisfaction in the earthly things is because God has written eternity onto our hearts. That knowledge and understanding gives us all the answer to why life feels so empty at times. Because nothing on this earth, no pleasure, no success, no achieved goal, could ever uh, compare to the end goal of eternity. Nothing in this life can compare to the pleasure of being in the presence of Jesus. No success in this life can compare to the the success that we will witness with our own eyes of the uh, markings of unconditional love on Jesus' hands, feet, and side. There's no greater goal that can be achieved than that of spending eternity with King Jesus. And that's what God has written onto all of our hearts, is the idea of eternity. And that's why we can't fill the void with any of the earthly things, because the only thing that can make us truly feel satisfied is stepping into what it is that God has created us for. And this is why C.S. Lewis calls us half-hearted creatures because we were designed for heaven, yet we long for earthly things. We were designed to worship God, yet we pursue the idols of success, money, sex, power, and fame. And Jesus is the only one that can truly satisfy us, and we choose to ignore that fact and that truth every single day. So, the question becomes, does that mean that our desires are wrong? 
I would say no, but I would probably say that the motive behind your desires just might be a little misguided. And what do I mean by that? I mean that our ambitions and desires should be in line with the ambitions and desires that God has for us. Your ambitions and desires should be to build up God's kingdom and not build up your own. Because if we were to be honest with ourselves, isn't that what motivates everything that we do? Our own selfish desires? Now the Bible clarifies well what C.S. Lewis says when he's calling us half-hearted creatures. You see, where Solomon would say that we have eternity written onto our hearts and we get that from God, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, says something completely different. Look here, Jeremiah 17.9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Between Solomon and Jeremiah, the Bible paints the clearest of pictures of how divided our heart truly is. That while our heart desire, the heart's desire is for eternity, the flesh-centered, or you can call it the sin-centered aspect of our heart, is to pursue carnal joy, not eternity. So what's the solution? We now have the problem, so what's the solution? Of, to being half-hearted creatures, to not being half-hearted half creatures. Well, Jesus said it best in Matthew 6, when he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. And then a few books later, the Bible, in the Bible, the Apostle Paul echoes Jesus' words when he writes this to the believers in Colossae. In Colossians 3, 2, Paul would say, Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. You see, when we reflect on the quote from Guadam Nair back in his Washington Post article, and we see what Scripture says, we learn quickly uh, is that if we really want to fill the void of emptiness in our lives and stop chasing the wind, we need to change our perspective. Instead of seeking fulfillment in this life, uh, we need to start thinking about what eternity looks like. We need to start thinking about eternity that God has written onto our hearts and how we go about living our lives, achieving that goal. We need to start living with the end in mind. When we read through Scripture, what many of us will quickly see is that we as human beings are the only thing in all of God's creation that aren't doing what we were designed to do. You see, it's been warm in Colorado Springs lately, so I've been sitting outside working on this message and doing my work, and as I'm sitting outside, the sun is giving off light and is providing warmth, right? When you look at the trees and the plants and, and all the greenery around us, by them produ- or taking in carbon monoxide and producing oxygen, they're doing what it was that they were designed to do. Yet, God created us to do life with him and to worship him. And while the sun and plants fulfilled their purpose of worshiping God by doing what it was that they were created to do, we live our lives as half-hearted creatures seeking to fulfill our own purpose, even if that means building up mud pies in the slums in comparison to what God has in mind for all of us. So for the rest of this series, we will be looking at the things that divide our hearts, that the things that make us half-hearted creatures, things that we seek to use to find fulfillment in this life that distract us from the things that we really need. And we're going to look at how we can have victory 
over those distractions and become closer to being full-hearted creatures, to being creatures that are seeking after God's own heart. So I'm looking forward to this series as we really dive into it next week. But until then, let me pray for us. Father, it is true. It is evident in my own life, the things that I have seen, that I am a half-hearted creature. That God, while everything inside of me says that I want to pursue the life that you have designed, God, my heart tends to chase after different desires. God, I all too often find joy in the simple things in this life, uh, whether that's an iPad or uh, any Nike product, God, uh, working out every single day. But God, the reality is that even though I do temporarily find joy in those things, God, that's nothing compared to the joy that I will experience when I'm walking in heaven with you for all eternity. But God, what would happen in my own life? What would happen in all of our lives if we changed our perspective just a little bit and began to play this game of life with the end in mind? God, what would our life look like if we realized that eternity is the end goal, not just our happiness in the here and now? So God, as we walk through this series of half-hearted creatures, uh, just really hanging on to that quote from C.S. Lewis, God, I pray that all of us, we would stop building mud pies in the slums and understand that what you've truly designed for us and how you've designed us is for eternity what that paradise is going to look like and how we can, on this side of eternity, start working towards that end goal. So Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you have a better plan and purpose for our lives. God, we look forward to what it is that you're going to teach us in this series. And we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen.